edify means to enlighten, encourage, and uplift individuals, intellectually, morally, and spiritually. That's exactly what our Edify podcast guests do, as they share practical wisdom on living our faith in public. I'm Mary Fiorito. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the Edify podcast. Our guest today is Teresa Brennan. Teresa is an attorney and the president and executive director of the Right to Life League, which stands up against pro-abortion legislation and also assists pro-life clinics, centers, and maternity homes throughout the state of California. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you for being with us Thank today. Thank you so much, Mary. Such a joy to meet you. Um, so tell us, this is the, the big moment we've all been waiting for and working towards the overturning of Roe versus Wade. How did you get involved in the pro-life movement? Yeah, so I mean, right now at this moment, really so much to celebrate about the pro-life movement. So I'll tell you, it's a very interesting story. California in 1967 had put forth the Bielensen bill, which was one of the very first therapeutic abortion bills in the entire nation. And a group of Catholic doctors, lawyers, and just grassroots activists got together in 1967 to fight that. And actually members of our organization knew the chief of staff for then Governor Ronald Reagan. They went up and lobbied him and said, you know, listen, this is the reality of abortion. This is not a bill that you want to sign. And they wound up speaking to him. My grandmother was one of them, several other um, very interested Catholics. He was so interested in it. And at the time, if you think about it, we didn't have the science that we have now. And people did not understand the issue of abortion. So he listened, but he said, you know, I've already agreed to sign this. And I know this was one of his biggest regrets throughout his presidency was signing the Bielensen bill in California. Um, and, And he said, you know, he was not going to sign another a pro-abortion bill now that he knew about it. And he never actually did. Mm -hmm. So it was a very powerful moment, but it still left California with one of the first abortion bills and fighting abortion six years before Roe versus Wade even came into play. No, it opened up the floodgates nationally. And I remember reading um, actually an interview with Dr. Mildred Jefferson, Mm -hmm. who was the first black woman to graduate from Harvard Medical School. And she was on um, some PBS show and Reagan happened to be watching it. And she was debating someone on abortion and he heard her and he she still had, you know, this letter that he wrote to her saying, had I heard the information you presented before uh, this bill was put on my desk and I had agreed to sign it, I wouldn't have signed it. You have changed my mind yeah. on abortion. So she is, um, you know, that that influence that she had, again, just by being present in the public square and sharing this is why, you know, at Edify, we do these sorts of things because you know, you never know who the Lord is going to lead to click on a podcast or to watch a video or something. So it's, it's terrific that you're out there trying to bring that information to the public. And I have to say the beauty of the movement now is that we've sort of come full circle, right? When Roe versus Wade was enacted and there was this, you know, purported constitutional right to an abortion, grassroots movements, you know, dissipated to some extent because people didn't feel that they could make the impact of one-on-one conversations. Now we've come full circle. With Dobbs and the overturn of Roe versus Wade, Mm -hmm. grassroots impact is one of the most important things that people can do. In uh, Southern California, a school district was going to allow Planned Parenthood to come in and put a healthcare center in their high school. And couple hundred parents got together and said, hey, we don't want this and fought the school board and the school board voted not to put the Planned Parenthood in. Praise God. That's great. You know, empowered parents can do so much. And, 
you know, I, I think the abortion industry is going to be pushing everywhere they can. If you give them an inch, they will take a mile. You know, they absolutely will. And the goal is unfettered abortion for all nine months for any reason whatsoever, all paid for by taxpayers, right? I think that's the, yeah. the ultimate yeah, goal. But so what, you know, just as a pro-life advocate, what do you find uh, the arguments that the other side is using now that Roe's gone? What, what are the arguments that they're using uh, to try to influence the American people right now. I mean, there's so much fear mongering mm -hmm. going on, you know, that this is going to uh, overturn all kinds of other constitutional laws, that there's implications much broader than just abortion. Um, again, that women are going to have back alley abortions when the fact is states like California are going to fly women in. Companies are paying for their employees to go fly around the country and get an abortion. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't understand Planned Parenthood is definitely losing their market share mm -hmm. because of the abortion pill and the decrease in abortion abortion overall. So they've sort of branched out into transgender services. And mm -hmm. one of the main issues now, especially in California, is that parents do not have the right to know even if a 12-year-old is going to um, do some kind of transitioning to transgender. So they've sort of expanded their services and it is becoming, you know, e an even broader issue that we need to fight Planned Parenthood and many of these legislations on. And California has over 20 bills right now going through the legislature to make our state a sanctuary state for abortion. Yeah, and you know, I, I live in Illinois, and of course we've become a sanctuary sanctuary state. I'm using, you know, quotation marks around that phrase um, because every single state that borders us has parental involvement laws, has uh, no taxpayer funding of abortion, um, would have more reasonable uh, restrictions on the procedure. And, you know, in the last uh, four years, even during the pandemic, Planned Parenthood and another private abortion clinic have built mega centers at the Wisconsin, Indiana, Missouri, Kentucky borders. And so we already know that um, women are traveling across straight lines to do that. But also we repealed, we're the only state in the nation to repeal a parental involvement law. So now we have no parental no, uh, informed consent, no parental um, uh, notification whatsoever. And so, which really opens up the door to sex trafficking of yeah. minors, girls. Oh, it's horrendous. Yeah. And we have tried twice to get parental notification in California and we cannot get it. So passed. you don't have it? You don't, you don't have notification? No. Or we've tried several times, wow. not for transgender, 12 and over. Oh, you mean abortion. for a sex change? Yeah. And and, yeah, and, and abortion. abortion. Oh, yeah. wow. No, no. Okay. And we tried twice to get ballot measures on it and we cannot get it mm. passed. And we now have um, Proposition 1 coming up on the ballot um, this fall, which is going to enshrine the right to privacy, not just for abortion, but for all reproductive services right. in the California Constitution, which by case law has already been instituted in the state of California. It is a constitutional right to abortion in California, but they're expanding it exponentially. So that's kind of something in response to the upcoming, what they anticipated was going to be the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Right. They pre-planned it. Leading up to it. Well, tell me about this Assembly Bill 2223. There's, there's quite a bit of controversy and it seems to have even divided pro-life groups. So to some extent, AB 2223 has divided uh, pro-life groups. And and there is a, a certain amount of controversy. It really is an infanticide bill. So in California, existing law defines perinatal as an, uh, the point up to 28 days post-birth. That's California. And then across the nation, there's differing laws. Okay. Um, and AB 2223 does a couple of things, but one of them says is you have a total right to privacy if you're a mother, civil and criminal immunity completely 
for all of your reproductive choices, including perinatal death mm. for causes that happen in utero. And that term, causes that happened in utero has never been defined by case law, is not defined in the statute, could be anything. Mm -hmm. Pregnancy is a cause in utero. Down syndrome is a cause in utero. Right. So many things. But the bill goes even further. It's so extensive. Not only does it protect the mother from all civil and criminal immunity, anyone who helps the mother. So the second part B of that statute mm -hmm. says, if I illegally obtain abortion pills and I give them to you and you use them illegally, mm -hmm. I can have no civil and criminal liability whatsoever. It's total immunity. And if the sheriff's department even threatens to investigate you or threatens to investigate me, they will automatically be subject to a $25,000 penalty, attorney's fees, and punitive damages. So then why why is it that some pro-life groups aren't supporting opposition to this bill? So all of the pro-life groups in California are opposed to this. I will okay. tell you this, the bishops in the state of California, the California Catholic Conference, um, negotiated with the author. Originally the bill had perinatal death mm -hmm. and there was not that um, due to causes in utero. Right. So they negotiated with the author Buffy, Buffy Wicks and uh, she added the for causes due to in utero. Right. Every pro-life attorney that I know in the state of California is still adamantly opposed to this bill. But because of that, the California Catholic Conference has gone neutral on really what's one of the most egregious mm. abortion bills in the state of California. Mm. And it's hard for us because we go up and we testify on these bills. I have an attorney. We are Catholic mother of seven, Susan Arnall, myself, Catholic mother of five. And we go up and we testify on these bills. And the author of a committee or the head of the committee will say, well, the Catholic conference went neutral on this bill. So it's fine, right? The mm -hmm. Catholic church isn't opposed to it. So what's your problem? Mm -hmm. So it is, um, that is the controversy related to that. And I know, you know, not only our organization, but Mary Short from California Right to Life wrote a fantastic article for LifeSite News about this issue. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think it's important. Again, when Roe versus Wade was in place, I think to some extent it felt like the issue of abortion was one of many issues. Right. Sure, there's nothing we, much we can do to end abortion in our individual state. So vote your conscience and right. think about it. That is no longer the case. At this point, Everything we do, every vote we cast matters and we have to vote pro-life. Right, right. And, and you know, so many lives literally depend upon yes. it. Um, and not only the unborn child, but also, you know, the mother. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, it's always horrifying to read of, you know, the, the horrible cases of women who do actually die in abortion clinics or do develop sepsis later down the line and then die from that but that's not registered as an abortion death it's registered as a septic death so it's it's very um distressing that you know you have this surgery that's done so frequently the surgical abortions uh, but even to some extent the chemical abortions and we don't even really know how it's affecting women in, in, but particularly in the blue states, right? Yeah, I mean, and I'll tell you this. It, it, I mean, one of the saddest things that we repeatedly say to our state legislators, and they just refuse to listen, is that, you know, one time we had a 40 Days for Life program right outside. There's a Planned Parenthood right across from our office. And a woman right. saw it, and she came into our office, and, um, and she just said, I need to talk to someone. I want to talk to someone about my abortion. And I mm. had, was very new to pro-life and thinking, like, okay, I don't know if I'm equipped to like give someone post-abortion, you know, counseling, counseling and peer-to-peer. Right. -peer. And I was like, okay. And I literally said a prayer. I'm like, Holy Spirit, 
give me the words. And she came in and I had never heard such a powerful story of a woman who in her youth was homeless, mm. was on drugs. She was poverty stricken and she cried like we cried together. And in the end, we formed such a great friendship. And I mean, truly, truly women are destroyed by their abortion. And that's the message that, again, the 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 pro-aborts are completely ignoring that women are depressed. Like when they later, maybe like a young woman who doesn't tell her parents at 14 and has an abortion. And then when she, God forbid, if she can never have children and that right. was her, but right. if she does and she has a baby and she realizes what she's done at a later point, it's literally the, the woman that she's inconsolable. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can do to take that back. Well, tell me, you know, I, I know in California you have some rather large, um, populations of people of color yes. and um, in New York City for example more black babies are aborted every yes. year than are born alive do you find is it your experience in California that many abortion clinics are, are preponderance of them are located in neighborhoods that are either in communities of color or adjacent to them oh absolutely in fact I, we go in and we say hey Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist we say this to our state legislators and they intentionally say listen Poverty areas have a lack of access to mm -hmm. health care. Um, BIPOC communities right. have a low access to health care. So we need to concentrate on those areas. So essentially, they are recreating the vision of Margaret Sanger. Mm -hmm. And it is, I mean... Uh, Guttmacher Institute has statistics, which is a pro-abort statistical. Right. It's, it's a former research arm of Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Right. And they say 85% of women who have abortions, it's either 75 or 85%. I haven't looked at the statistic in a while, but it's a huge number of women who have abortions are within 2% or lower of the federal poverty level. Mm -hmm. And essentially what that means is as a society, California, Illinois, we're offering women a very quick fix. Let's just give mm -hmm. you an abortion to solve right. your problems right. rather than providing real resources, which is what the um, pregnancy help centers, clinics, and maternity homes all do. But then they say, oh, pro-lifers just, they, all they care about is the baby. They don't care about the mom. Right, right. I mean, that's such an old trope. And I'm just, I'm astounded to see that it still makes the rounds, right. you know. I mean, when, uh, you know, the Catholic Church, for example, is the number one private provider of social services to men, women, children, and families. In the United States, the number one educator of girls. But, um, but you know, I think the very fact that we see so many repeat abortions now, so even according to Planned Parenthood's own numbers, right, 50% of all abortions are now repeats. That's because when a woman has an abortion, it doesn't get her a better job. It doesn't improve the relationship with the baby's father. Uh, it doesn't find her a better place to live. It doesn't help her finish her, you know, and she often winds up right back in the same situation, sometimes yeah. less than a year later. And I really think our repeat rate of abortions in the United States is a scandal. It really is. And honestly, we have the solution to that is post-abortion healing. Like mm -hmm. the, if we can reach these women, I had a clinic just this week who, um, you know, we were talking to them about the women who have come in and the director said to me, they had a woman come in who had had eight abortions mm -hmm. and finally got a hold of their pregnancy help center. And she came in and she was counseled and she got an ultrasound and she was devastated, but she finally realized what it was she was doing. Because right. I can tell you, Planned Parenthood is lying to women. They yeah. absolutely are not showing ultrasounds and telling them what they need to hear right. about their choices. Oh, right. There's no informed consent right. whatsoever. And, you know, I compared 
compare it to when I took my daughter to get her ears pierced and, you know, signing forms in triplicate. And these are all the possible outcomes. You know, you could get an infection if your ear starts to turn green, you know, all these sort of things to protect themselves from legal li liability. I mean, I'm not stupid. I know that's why they're doing it. But nevertheless, there's full informed consent for ear piercing. There's not full informed consent for no. abortion. And, you know, I always find it so humorous when, you know, we're told by Nancy Pelosi and others, you know, the decision for an abortion is between a woman and her doctor and her God. Well, the abortionist is not her doctor. Right. And 90% of the time, if not more, she never meets this doctor before he comes in and does the abortion on her. I mean, it's it's a it's a clinic employee that takes down all the information, a nurse might take the vitals, and the doctor just comes in, he does the abortion, and he leaves, and it's not her doctor. There aren't meetings leading up to her decision oh. to abort with a medical professional. And she just calls a freestanding clinic yeah. and strolls on in. In the state of California, it's literally a tragedy. As much as they say this is about women's health care, it's about make mo making money. And how can you tell? Some of the bills that are going through right now mm -hmm. aren't going to even require that a doctor be present or a nurse or a nurse midwife or a nurse practitioner can do an abortion without even having standard operating procedures. Like we're stripping the protections that women have. So the dangerous abortions that you were talking about earlier yeah. are going to become even more dangerous. It's just crazy. No, it is. And and it just and women's lives are, I, I think now have never been on the line as much as they are. And it's not because there's um, a lack of access to abortion in some states. It's, right. it's be, you know, <laughs> it's because the abortion industry doesn't really care about them. Yes. And that some activist doctors um, and abortion activists are making women afraid to come in to be treated for conditions that, that are not abortions right. that they need to be treated for. But they, they have absolutely no qualms about spreading this misinformation. And it's it's really, really distressing. Well, um, Teresa, before we wrap up, tell me, you, I, I, I'd like to know about a little bit about we are a Catholic podcast and I'd like to know a little bit about your spiritual life. How do you as a Catholic pro-lifer, um, how is it that you, you know, you pray your way through your work? What inspiration do you get? Do you have any particular saints that inspire and, you know, help keep you grounded so you can do the kind of advocacy that you do? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I have to say when people talk about spiritual warfare, mm -hmm. the pro-life movement is literally ground zero of spiritual warfare. And I, I, I mean, I prior to this, I worked as a litigation attorney and I kind of took the pro-life job, really felt called to it mm -hmm. um, and and have seen the most tangible miracles like God in the pro-life movement if you pray for it, we'll literally grant it the next moment. So I'll just give you a quick story. I was on a Zoom call with my media coordinator and our VP of legal affairs. And I said, listen, we're fighting all of these bills in California. We need a legislative intern that will help us keep track of them, um, call the legislators. I was like, we really need that. And I clicked off on the Zoom call and the next email in my inbox right there was one of our donors who said, hey, my daughter's a student in college. She's a poli-sci major and she would love to intern this summer at the Right to Life. Like it was the perfect fit for the job. Um, I've had clinic directors who lost their medical director in the afternoon, mm -hmm. went to a party that evening and a doctor came up and said, can I be your medical director? Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. tangible. Yeah. So my favorite saints, I'll say the first year that I started in pro-life was St. Philomena. Oh. The second one was St. Teresa of Avila. So Teresa is my name and there's just a powerhouse of Teresa. She is, she was right? a strong woman. She so was many. a strong woman. Yep. Avila, Lazou is my patron saint, but when my mom, my mom kind of jokes that 
after she saw my personality, after I was born, she's like, I might have picked the wrong Teresa. <laughs> I think I, you can claim them both. I, I, think, I claim them all. Yes. Avila, Lizou, um, all of them. Um, and then this year, uh, because of the victory that we've had, um, it's really Mary um, and particularly uh, Our Lady of the Rosary and the mm -hmm. Feast of Lepanto and the yeah. huge Christian victory. So, so much. Yeah, prayer cannot be underestimated. We had a, a girl who was pregnant and went to a Planned Parenthood. The day that she went to Planned Parenthood, she didn't know it, but her dad was praying in front of a Planned Parenthood in another city. Wow. And when he came home that night, he said to her, I, I was, you won't believe what I was doing. I was at a Planned Parenthood and I was praying, you know, that the women would choose not to have an abortion. And she started crying. We had her speak at our gala last year. Wow. And she said, I cried and said, dad, I was at a Planned Parenthood for an appointment to abort your grandchild. Like mm. he prayed her out of an abortion. Oh, praise God. Yeah. yeah, so prayer. Like yeah. do not do not underestimate the power of prayer. Well, I, I, I tell this on myself, although I'm embarrassed by it now, Father Rocky Hoffman, who's the executive director of Relevant Radio, which is the Catholic national radio station, they have for several years now been doing this. It started out as 1 million memorare campaign mm -hmm. to end abortion. Mm -hmm. Then they did the 1 million, then became the 2 million. <laughs> I think we're at 4 million memoraries. And I was at a, a talk, he, he's, a, he's a priest from Chicago. So I was at a talk that he was giving and he, someone asked him a question about abortion. And he said, well, you know, we're doing this memorari campaign on relevant radio and that is going to move the needle. And I thought, oh, that's so nice, father. That's really, <laughs> that's really sweet that you think that, you know, and now I'm ashamed to say that I doubted him because he was absolutely right. And you think of all, you know, the, the, your, your rosary ladies at your parish after your, your 7 a.m. mass staying to pray the rosary to end abortion, yes. all those prayers cumulatively they, they all, you know, my husband kind of likened it to like a Jenga game. He said, you know, it just took, we just had to pull out the one block and the, the house of cards yes. fell. And I think, you know, because no one, no one would have thought this a year ago, but yeah. when the Lord wanted to move, when it was the right time, the Lord moved. So, yeah. well, and that's what's going to happen too. Illinois, yeah. California, well, we're going to win. From, from your lips to God's ears, <laughs> as they say. But well, Teresa, thank you for everything you do to edify people in the state of California. And thank you for edifying our listeners today. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for listening. To make it easier for you to listen to future Edify podcast episodes, please make sure you subscribe over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you.